1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Again, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, um, so probably a few words difference here and there, but uh, the meaning will be the same. So before we read this passage, if you would, please uh, pray with me. Lord, again, thank you for uh, the grace you give to us. Uh, Lord, thank you that you have graced us with a written word to remind us and even let us know that you are, and this is the work you've done that you have created us to be your image bearers and you have created us to know you. And though fallen, you've given to us a great Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And that in him we may have total, complete, full and free access to you. Even as your word says, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Oh, how our hearts don't feel this much, but how we read that it is true. And so, Lord, we come, we ask now that you would, by your Spirit, teach us, instruct our hearts, our minds, by this text. Would you grow us up in the goodness and the grace of Christ? We pray in him for his glory and our good. Amen. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 2, we'll look at verses 1 through 8. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now pause there for just a second. If you ever wonder what God's will is, this is one of them. To pray for folks like this in these situations. So what's God's will for my life? Praying for all men. Praying for government officials. Praying for things of that nature. All right, verse 4. Um, Well, let's go back to verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. And for this, that is this desire and this mediator, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. This is God's word. All right, so everybody goes to the grocery store, right? Or Walmart or something. Everybody goes to some some store, goes somewhere, or to school or something, you know, homeschool, whatever kind of school you go to. Have you ever looked at the people around you and Ask yourself, who is praying for that person right there? If you're, in the, if you're in the grocery store line and the person checking you out, have you ever wondered, is someone praying for that person? Is anyone on the face of this planet lifting that person up to their maker and to their redeemer? Is that person being prayed for? Have you ever wondered if anybody's praying for you? How many people on the face of this earth pray for us individually? And not just a one-time thing, hey, I need to have a prayer request, could you pray for me? But on a consistent basis. When I was uh, an intern at First President Jackson, I was teaching a Sunday school class. This was several years back, and one of the ladies came up to me, uh, Miss Virginia Campbell, and she said, I want you to know I pray for you every day. Oh, yeah. 
I wasn't sure how to respond. Because I could not say, you know, when you talk about prayer, it's kind of like talking about evangelism. Nobody really wants to talk about it because, you know, we either think we don't do it, we feel guilty for not doing enough. It just, those are the topics, you know, you're not supposed to talk about. So when she said, I pray for you every day, I, mean, I felt guilty because I didn't pray for her every day. How many times had I prayed for it all? Oh, man. So, you know, all those thoughts come to mind, and you're like, I, 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 want to, I want to reciprocate. I want to be able to say back to you, I'll pray for you too. But I couldn't. So what do you do in those situations? You say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Wow. And you walk away with a different understanding of prayer and the necessity of it, the joy of it. And you walk away saying, wow, Lord, somebody thinks about me every single day. Whoa, that was just, that, for me, that was, that was quite changing for me. So, the person that's in the grocery store line and you're talking to them or maybe not talking to them. Have you ever wondered, who prays for that person? Who prays for them? What about the idea that prayer is useful? Do we pray or not pray? because we think prayer is useful or useless. Now, before I said this, if I were to ask you, what's, what's one of the most useless things ever in the history of man, what would you say? Now, my suspicion is you would not say prayer, but I wonder if that's how we really think about it. Is it really useful? I mean, come on, we're Presbyterians, Reformed, you know, God already knows everything, oh, you know, predestination, all that stuff, right? So what's prayer really useful for? Well, at least the easy answer to that is Jesus said to pray. <laughs> so he thinks it's useful. So regardless of how we can work it out in our minds, the logic of it, the illogic, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. The Lord says, when you pray. So he tells us that it is useful. But if we were to be in our closets of prayer by ourselves, trying to pray, I wonder if there's an honesty that we might give to ourselves and say, is this really useful? Or is this just a useless activity that I'm involving myself in? I mean, after all, what does prayer do? I mean, if I pray something, does it actually have effect does my, do my words and my thoughts, does my will cause something to happen? Well, no, it doesn't. But God says, I use the prayers of my people to bring about things that are good and right. I want you to come before me. I want you to lay out your life before me. I want to use you as frail and as weak as you are. I want you to do this. We see the apostles praying. We see them asking God, you who created Acts chapter 4, you who created the world, you who do all these things, give us boldness. We can't do anything. We need your help. And it says the whole place was shaken, and they went out and proclaimed boldly. Yes, prayer has effect because the one to whom we pray causes things to happen. Prayer is not a useless thing. It's very, very useful. It's one of the most necessary things in our lives, it seems to me. I mean, think about it. Don't, don't, oh, come on. We're people, we, we like to do things. 
We like to fix things, especially guys, right? It's broken out, fix it. I, I, I have, my wife is here. She can tell you all the projects I've started in the house that aren't yet finished. Because <laughs> I, I can fix that. I, I can do that. You know, three months later, mm, is that fixed? No, it's not. It's a big mess. Prayer, we think, ought to fix things, but sometimes it doesn't, at least not according to our timeline or in the way we would like it to be fixed. So I want to just do it myself. But when we start trying to fix things ourselves, our lives fall apart, we've tried to give all the best counsel we possibly can to these people, and they're still not doing what they ought to be doing, what we think is right, what's the last thing we do? Oh, God, please help them. We finally come to the Lord and say, Lord, please, I've tried everything. Now it's up to you. It's always been up to him. Come to him. And he says, I want to work through your prayers. I want to use them. So it's not useless. It's not the last thing that we ought to be doing. It's really the first thing that we ought to be doing. It's the thing that we ought to be coming to our Lord with all the time. All right, so let's, let's you picture something for us for just a minute. What if, what if there was a camera that was recording all the prayers of all people at all times from the beginning of earth till now and would continue going on until the end of time what if we had access to that camera and what if we were able to see all the names all the things all the events that were being prayed for by all the people on the earth for all time how many names of people would be in there and whose names would be missing from that now, the first thing you probably would want to do is after going, wow, that's pretty neat. Look at that. Where's my name? We probably want to be looking for our own name. Would it be found? What would we see? That's a scary proposition. At least it is to me. And then what if we were able to find our prayers? What would they be filled with? What would that camera reveal to everyone to see? This is what Rick has prayed for for all of his life. These are the people whom he's prayed for or not prayed for. What would be there? And, it's, you know, those are those things you think, no, you know, let's just talk just Jesus and me and leave everybody else out of this. I, let's just you and me talk, Lord, please. Those are those kinds of things that could either be very deeply convicting and embarrassing, or they might be those things where we could uh, have an opportunity to say, whoa, right there, look, I'll pray for that, yeah, and give ourselves a pat on the back. Prayer is one of those things that we, we want to do, we long to do, and yet sometimes we find ourselves not really giving ourselves over to praying to the Lord. When you become a Christian, what's one of the first things that changes in you? One of the first things that changes in us is I want to talk with my father. That's what every young person, every child wants, is to be able to talk to their dad, to talk to their mom. Now, we live in a fallen world. We know that that doesn't always happen well. I mean, I, I grew up in a divorced home. There's issues there. We grow up in difficult situations. And, we, and, and even the folks that say, 
I hate my father or I hate my parents, that is an indication that they wish it wasn't so. Hate is not actually the opposite of love. Apathy is. Hate is saying there is some connection here that I I don't like the way it is. If it was different, I wouldn't feel this way. And so when you come to Christ and you come to the Father through him, now that heart that had been at war with him, Romans 5, we're enemies of God, now it becomes one that cries out, Abba, Father. That's the one that says, I, I, I need to, I want to know you. Prayer is, is, is a language really about the Christian heart, the Christian soul, the changed heart. With that in mind, let's go to this particular passage and unpack it a little bit. Now, it's clear from verse 1 that we are breaking into a passage. Notice it says, first of all, then... Wait, wait, what? Okay, so, so we've interrupted Paul's discussion with Timothy. All right, so now if you have a study Bible, you know, mine has these little breaks in, in the passages and in the, in the verses, and so it says, you know, this, this is what this section is about. It would be okay, I don't know if I told you this last time, but it's, it's okay to take your whiteout marker and just mark out all the little divisions between, <laughs> between the sections and the chapters. So we don't think that it's, it's starting a whole brand new idea separate from the previous idea. It's following through this. This, so when we pick up, first of all, then, he is saying, now, everything that I said before here, everything that I wrote before this, now feeds directly into what I'm about to write to you, Timothy. What did he say beforehand? We'll look at chapter 1, and we see here in verse 3, Paul has told Timothy, he has urged him to stay in Ephesus in order that he, that is Timothy, may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, to not pay attention to myths and just genealogies, that do not further God's kingdom but give rise to speculation. In other words, son of, is that really what that means? Is that, so instead of unifying people, it actually brings division. Are you sure that's true? Well, how do you know this? So it brings separation and division rather than unity and God's kingdom. And so Paul goes on to say in verse 5, the goal of our instruction is love. Love does things for people's good, not to separate them. And he goes on, and here's the issue that's been taking place. Verse 7, here's the false teaching that's come about. These people want to be teachers of the law, even though they don't understand either what they're saying or matters about which they make confident assertions. This is the way the truth is. Is it really? Have you understood what the law is about? Have you understood these things? So these are folks here that essentially are trying to say, hey, we're good people by keeping the law, and this is what the good news is, that God will, God helps those who help themselves. We've helped ourselves. We've done pretty good. God's going to do good to us and Paul says that is not the case whatsoever. In fact, he says, here's what the true case is, verse 12 of chapter 1. I thank Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, violent aggressor. And he goes on to say, this is trustworthy. Christ saves sinners. If you want to qualify for the grace of God, you need to be a sinner. Instead of trying to prove how good you are, you need to say, Lord, I am awful. Oh, you qualify. Let me do something about that. 
And this is the good news of Christ. And so Paul goes back in chapter 1 and he lays down the foundation of the gospel, the good news of Christ, and then he steps into his next discussion, or next part of the discussion in chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge entreaties, prayers, petitions, thanksgivings to be made on behalf of all men. Now, isn't that interesting? He didn't say, first of all, I think that we need to be discussing gifts. Hey, first of all, we need to really talk about the end times. Hey, first of all, we need to have a dynamic preacher because we need to attract all the people that are in this city. Dynamic preaching is not the first of all thing that Paul wants. Biblical teaching is a thing that Paul says is necessary. That's why he lays out the gospel first. It's not the presentation that's important. It's the content that's important. And so he says, now, once that's laid down, here's what needs to happen. Prayer. The healthy body is the one that is a praying body. Now, this prayer, as you'll notice, these kinds of prayers are also evangelistic in nature. They're not just about the physical needs, all the needs that are within that local body, but they're also outward expressing needs. They're also prayers that say, we need, to, we need to reach the world. We need to see who else has troubles, who else has these things. We need to be outward focused. So he says, first of all, then I urge all these things to be made on behalf of all men. Remember those people that are not prayed for in the world? Remember the, that camera that has all the names and such, and there's you know, a billion folks whose names are never named, or maybe more. All men, pray for people specifically. When we send those missionaries out, ask them to give us specific names. Even if you don't know how to pronounce it, just pray for them. We know their names. Pray for these people. Now, it's interesting that he gives us these categories of types of prayers entreaties prayers is a general idea petitions thanksgivings all right so you know some commentators will say this it's just a heaping up of, of just praying i tend to look at it as actually different kinds of prayers different kinds of praying look at this first of all he says entreaties now these are for specific things the person that you're talking to in the grocery line hey tell me man it's just click 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 or he's click 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 putting all your stuff across you start, hey, what's your name? Oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so. Hey, tell me about yourself. Oh, yeah, you know, I have four children or whatever it is. I have this, have that. Now, all of a sudden, you have information about them that you can actually pray directly to God for them about. So, oh, really, yeah. Man, I'm trying to get these kids through school. Trying, oh, there's a need. Parenting, knowing how to love those kids. If they're trying to do private school because of whatever the situation is for them, oh, you need help financially. Oh, I can pray about that. And then next week when you come back through the line, go to that specific one and say, hey, how's it going? I've been praying for you. Here's what I've been praying for you. Is that, are things getting better? Do I still need to take you before the throne of grace? Ask them. The second thing he says here is prayers. Now, these are the general needs. Everybody has a general need. Lord, we need to grow in grace. Our, I don't know, like I was praying earlier because I don't know the situations in these here. Lord, I don't know what people have need of specifically here, but I do know this. We all need grace to walk with you. I do know we all do have questions about why or how or 
Lord, give us answers that, 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 that help us. These are general kinds of prayers. All right, then there's also these petitions, interceding. All right, now, th- these are the prayers that say, all right, they really blew it. <laughs> that was really bad. Lord, please give them mercy. Lord, please give them grace. Lord, I want to intercede for this one. Would you show them a kindness that they do not deserve so that what you said in Romans 2, 4 comes to pass? It is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Show them specifically in this situation. Make it clear to them that they deserve this, but they're getting this, and make that bring them to you. Intercede for those folks. Lift them up. Then here we have thanksgivings, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. How many of us, before we go on our trips, pack up the minivan or whatever it is, and everybody's there and we pray, Lord, please give us safety, or as we often say, traveling mercies. Please do this, do that, do this. Boom, we drive away, 5, 10, whatever many hours after the trip is over, get to our place, we get out, unpack, and go do our business. How many of us ever stop and say, hang on a minute before we get out of this van, let's pause and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, because you did exactly what we asked for. Thank you. Or if the van has a flat tire and you're not there on time, or you have to spend the night in some city you were hoping not to spend the night in, and it costs you a little more money, can we still say, thank you, Lord? Whatever you're up to, whatever this is going to do, thank you. Give thanks. Romans, Paul tells us that the road to atheism or to agnosticism or to anything other than Christ is laid down by unthankfulness and also uh, wanting glory for yourself, not giving glory to God. Neither, they did not give glory to God, neither were they thankful. Thanksgiving is so important to the Christian heart, to any heart, to anyone. And yet sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. He didn't say, be thankful in all things, as a, in a sense of saying, man, I'm so glad this happened. I'm so glad that sin happened. No, but give thanks, even when we don't know what in the world is going on. Lord, I know you're good. I'm the finite one here. I'm the one that can't see everything you do. <sighs> Thank you for the opportunity for whatever it is is coming up. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, someone said many years ago, thanks living instead of just simply thanksgiving. It's hard. It's hard. In a fallen world with a condition of a heart that is still not yet glorified, it's hard to do that. Train ourselves. Lord, help me to give thanks and help me to become thankful. So giving thanks. Give thanks. So when you're in that line and that person says, oh, you will never believe what happened. Thank you for praying for me. They give thanks and you say, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's thank God together. Then you can go and give thanks to the Lord also for that person. Every church needs 
prayers that are evangelistic, that are thankful, that are entreating for other people. Every church needs that kind of praying. That's the sign of the healthy church. This comes to mind. Someone once said years ago, and I, you know, it's okay, but said, you want to know the uh, popularity of a, a local church? Go Sunday morning. You want to know the popularity of the pastor of that church? Go Sunday evening. You want to know the popularity of the Lord? Go Wednesday. You know, that's when the prayer meetings are, right? Now, you know, I'm, I don't know about that, but at least it does help us kind of think through, yeah, what, what is important to me? What is important to us? Why do I go and do this, or why do I not go and do that? Well, what is important? Prayer is very important. There's so many things that we could be praying for, praying about, people we could do. And so Paul goes on to say, look, pray for all men on their behalf, and there's some specific what you know used to be called, I don't know if it's still called this, but the prayer targets, you know, those we really pray for specifically kind of things. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil, tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. All right, we are clearly in a society whose government is crazy. All right, it's clear the lines have been drawn and there is warfare going on between parties or factions. It is obvious. If it hadn't been obvious in the past 100 years, it definitely is now. Do we pray for the government officials or do we pray against the government officials? There's a big difference. There's many people who are praying in anger, but how many people pray in compassion? How many people pray for that president that you don't like, whether it's the current one or the previous one or the other ones? Pray for them. There is a result that happens when we pray for them. Paul says that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness. That is an effect that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says does happen. Now, there's probably a lot of application there that we could make, but we need to get the general concept, the, the big idea, that something good happens when we pray for them. Could you see Daniel praying against Nebuchadnezzar? He probably, I feel certain, would never have been in a position that he was in. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar really loved him. When Daniel was caught praying, was he praying for Nebuchadnezzar? Was he praying for those other officials that wanted him to be put to death? Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? That's a way we can do it. Yes, we get, we, we get usually rightfully so angry at great wickedness that comes from on high, from authorities. Yes, that... But at the same time, we also need to say, oh, man, those people are so bound up in their own self-glory, and they're so bound up in big capital letter S, sin. That's all they can do. Oh, Lord. Did you? And making treaties for them, make petitions for them, intercessions for them. Would you do this for them? So Paul goes on. He says, okay, now, let me give you example number one as to... Who is the model for this kind of thing? And look what he says here in verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
right, Paul is not dealing with the doctrine of election and predestination here. He's dealing with the result of false teaching. And then he says, here's what the result of gospel teaching is. The result of false teaching is this, division, separation, conflict. It is love of money. It is sensuality. It is uh, disrespect of those who are in authority. You can look through, the gospel, through this gospel record of 1 Timothy and you can see each one of those things. Family is, is, has not been unified. You see division, separation. You see conflict. You see all this stuff. You read through the letter and find out that's exactly what has happened because false teachers have come in. If false teaching comes in, it will divide people. But true gospel preaching will always bring unity. That's why Jesus prayed in, in John chapter 17. I pray that they would be one, even as you and I are one. And so what he's saying here is God is not happy. He doesn't go with glee saying, yes, the wicked have died. No. Even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel says, God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Even at the flood, it says that he did it because of grief in his heart. Not because he was going, yes, it's now time to get rid of these wicked people. God has great compassion. We don't get the depths of that. And yet Paul is saying here, example number one of praying for people and of doing things for their good, those who are even enemies, is God himself. He has a desire to see people come to salvation, to come to the truth. Isn't that the reason why in verse 5 it says there is one God and one mediator? There is a mediator. There is a mediator there's someone that we can come to and get to God through. There is a mediator. So Paul is saying, look, all you folks have been so divided against one another. Let me take a look. Let us see God himself. He brings people together. So instead of being separatists, be unifiers. Bring people together. A chief way of doing this is through prayer. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. He gave himself. Should we not give ourselves? It's the picture. God is for the good of others. Think about it this way. Jesus on the cross said, as he's hanging there, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. You remember Stephen, Acts chapter 7, when he's being stoned? What did he say? Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Wow. I mean, you know, if I was, if stones were hitting me in the face and hit me in the body and and I knew I was dying because of the hands of wicked men, would I have the same heart of compassion that was in Stephen? I don't know. I can only say by God's grace, would I? But isn't that the evidence of God's grace in the man that says they're killing me, don't kill them. Give them life, though they give me death. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel when we pray for things like this. So Paul says... There is one God, and there is one mediator, 
and he has one purpose. He wants the salvation of sinners. Cast out the false teaching that brings deception and division. Bring in the gospel teaching that brings unity. And he ends this section with this, verse 8. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. He just now addressed a problem within the men. Uh, apparently, there are conflicts going on amongst the men. Now, why did they do the men and not the women? Surely, I mean, come on, ladies getting fights to with each other, right? But why the men? Because they're the leaders. And as the men go, so goes the church. They are the ones who are supposed to be the example of what it is to lay down their lives like Christ, rather than pick them up and say, no, that offends me. No, you didn't do me right. No. And cause division and bickering and dissension, as he says, wrath and dissension, separation. Men, in Christ, you can be honest with each other and forgive one another. Yes, we can say that hurt. Let's work it out. Instead of saying that hurt, I'm going to hurt you. No wrath and dissension. But unity, the Spirit enables us to confess to one another what hurt and also to want to see a, rest, a restoration, a reconciliation. And the Spirit gives us the ability to forgive those who have hurt us and to seek reconciliation, to seek a restoration of those relationships. So Paul is saying, Here's the good news. Here's what Christ has done. He, he brings sinners to God. He forgives us. Let's us be that same way. Let's talk to God for one another. And let's talk to God for those outside these walls. Have hearts that are outward reaching to bring people in that there might be a unity rather than to keep them out to be a separation living the gospel life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the good news of Christ. Lord, we never would have come to you had you not come to us, had you not sent a mediator. Lord, thank you. We ask that you would fill us up with your spirit that we might be those folks who have a rich, growing healthy, becoming more healthy prayer life so that we might reach the world so that the gospel might go and we might bring people in to you. Lord, we commit ourselves to you for Jesus' sake. Amen.